0: There's a big push, uh, and there should be, for job ready skills. And I know there's lots of different words associated with what that means, but if you break it down simply, to me, it's creativity, critical mm-hmm. thinking, communication, and a collaboration.
1: Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the PASS Foundation, and your host. So welcome to Learning Unboxed. We're very excited today to uh, welcome our guest, Dr. Jeff McClellan. Um, It's really exciting to have Jeff with us. Um, I have had the privilege of knowing Jeff for um, a number of years now. I first met Jeff uh, when he was the founding head of school of MC Squared STEM High School in Cleveland. And um, through that journey and talking with um, Jeff, um, discovered along the way that this is one of the most creative individuals I've had the chance to meet. And the work that he's been doing along the way is pertinent to our conversation. Conversations that we've been having in Learning Unboxed, in the sense that um, the journey along the way has led to lots of discovery, which has then um, led to some pretty amazing next steps. In addition to being the head and founder of MC Squared STEM High School, um, Jeff is now the founding director of something called Start Soul, which we will talk about here at length. I'd like to start, Jeff, um, with a hearty welcome.
0: Thanks. Thanks. I'm really happy to join you.
1: Excellent. And I wanted to start our conversation today. This program has been talking an awful lot about what it means to, to wrestle with the ideas around thinking about teaching and learning very differently, and how that translates then into these ideas of what are we preparing students for? At the end of the day, what's our true purpose uh, in this endeavor? Uh, 21st century learning is a very different beast than it's been in the past. So let's talk a little bit about um, sort of what brought you to being involved in a a school transformation or a new school startup um, with MC Squared. And so because you were a science teacher um, by training um, out of the Lima School District, as I recall, um, and then suddenly found yourself in, you know, a really large urban district trying to do something completely new. What got you (laughs) there?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I often ask myself, how am I where I am? (laughs) And um, But this one, I guess the the actual trajectory was I was teaching science at Lima Senior. Uh, I was there actually in a really good time because there were a lot of really innovative people around me there and a lot of energy to really try to make the high school a lot better place. And, you know, when you think of Lima, you don't think of large urban unless you are in in the area, but Lima's got... um, a very, um, it's a very urban uh, high school, um very similar to, you know, the kids in Cleveland, very similar challenges as far as poverty and, and a lot of the other issues go. And uh, when I was there, there was a push to break the school into three autonomous small schools. And so I actually got to be part of the team that uh, developed one third of the school into a school based on Gardner's theories of multiple intelligences. And I was the leader of one third. So basically the principal of a small school inside of this big building. And so over four years in that role, um, I really worked with some great teachers and kids and parents and community members to redesign an existing high school and 35 existing teachers to create a type of education that was very different. And we, we played around with the schedule. We went to like trimesters, you know, didn't really work very well. So we went back to a block schedule. We did lots of things with time. We did lots of things with assessment, and we did, um, you know, a lot of different things that kind of like try to expose kids to uh, education in a different way. And as a result, you know, kids were doing some great stuff there. And so when the opportunity came along to go to Cleveland and start from scratch, I kind of saw it as an opportunity to take everything that I'd learned in this transformation environment and apply it in a bigger context with uh, some more flexibility and the opportunity to start from scratch so that's kind of how you know we got there um it was it was about my 10th year in education when i was hired to go to cleveland and start mc squared
1: and starting, starting new endeavors takes a very um, particular mindset um, and, in, and a, somebody willing to really, really go out on a limb. And sort of just to set some context for our listeners who may not be familiar um, with what's happened with um, MC Squared um, and in particular some of the highlights. So that's um, one of the state of Ohio's platform STEM schools that came along, a whole group of batch of them together um, about at this point, what, 10 years ago, 10, yeah. 12 years ago oh, now. It's oh. been. Yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. (laughs) But MC Square was a little bit unique in the sort of uh, the original set of these schools because. MC Squared was based on the notion that we did not necessarily have to envision all of our students going to school in the same place for four years, and I actually think that's one of the beautiful things about what you designed and developed with MC Squared, and I suspect that part of that came out of that experience in Lima, um, taking smaller groups of kids, moving them around, thinking about those different types of things. So sort of walk us through the sort of journey that a student might have um, that was participating in that, because I think that that... Journey translates directly back into start soul that we'll talk yeah. about in a minute,
0: yeah, well, I mean one of the things that was in place when I was hired was there was a, a large team of people that had already started to think about what um, the ideal stem uh, platform school in Cleveland would look like. I think there was something like eighty three partners that had been engaged mm-hmm. in some way or the other, and so by design, you know the idea was to make the the city of Cleveland, the campus for the STEM high school and really leverage these partners in engaging ways. And so by design, the idea of having kids in multiple campuses was to be able to give them a deeper experience with a partner than, you know, and if you just think, do the math, like, and it is in this way, similar to small schools, like a high school of a ninth grade of a hundred kids working with NASA Glenn Research Center and the Great Lakes Science Center that has X number of employees and people that can engage you know the factor is different than if it was that number trying to reach 400 kids and and so it was a depth of experience and also the ability for these partners to kind of like engage in a more meaningful way with a smaller number of of kids and so what that looks like now ninth graders attend school at the great Lakes science center in downtown cleveland and work with nasa glenn Research Center and several other partners. The 10th graders are at Neela Park, which until a few years ago was the headquarters for GE Lighting. And it's been, it's gone through some uh, transitions there. It's no longer the headquarters for GE Lighting. And and, um, to be honest, I can't really like tell you exactly what it is right now because I haven't been in the day to day for the past four years. But um, they're still engaging with the engineers that are there. The engineers just, technically have a different, uh, line on their business card. And then in 11th and 12th grade, it kind of flips inside out where it becomes about the students having experiences that are more aligned to what their interests have developed to be. So kids are doing internships. Kids are taking classes at lots of the local institutions. And then there's a home base at Cleveland state where kids can go and there's MC square STEM teachers. There's a, you know, an entire floor there. And so the idea is like, In ninth grade, kids get very similar experiences because we want to give them exposure to one thing. Tenth grade, again, the same with a different partner and a set of experiences. And then 11th and 12th grade, it can become more individualized because they've had a chance to kind of like experience some things together.
1: So the entire city, by design, then, is really both the school, the classroom, and the experience for these students. Um, and that is definitely one of the things that I think that lots of communities would, would aspire to. But that's a huge, huge foundational leap, right? We We are pre- pre-programmed almost, right? To go back to um, um, one of the videos that you have on your website um, really talks about that old factory mentality, right? And the, the way that we we really got to where we were producing quality workforce for the time that, w- that we had, that we needed it, very manufacturing-based, um, where we needed everybody to be able to come out of that system of teaching and learning ready to do the exact same thing. That's not the world we live in anymore. And so the notion of translating that Um, at that er very early phase out of the, you know, um, a traditional high school setting. And to imagine an entire community is the place where you learn, that's that's pretty revolutionary.
0: (laughs) Well, and like I said, there were a lot of partners at the beginning that kind of already had that big idea. I just had to try to figure out how to make it work.
1: You had to do the implementation. And I actually do remember a lot of those um, meetings. And I can't recall if I participated before you were hired or not, but it must have been roughly about the right time. I do remember many, many of those partnership meetings and, you know, driving up to Cleveland and sort of talking through the variety of ideas and the resources that people had to bring to the table. And at the end of the day, that partnership piece is a critical component that ultimately then um, allowed you to to be able to formulate and think about the sort of next piece in all this, an awesome, amazing experience for kids, but that has to translate into your faculty and into your teachers. And, you know, one of my favorite um, MC Squared moments over the years um, has been the fact that we were fortunate to get to work with you and your teachers, um, both um, at campus, um, at the time at MC Squared, along with Rensselaer and the variety of things that you helped teachers do. And And um, I I realize this will probably make you uncomfortable, but I have gone around the country and multiple times said that the person that I have met, the principal who was most skilled at hiring staff is Jeff (laughs) McClellan. You had an uncanny ability to recognize what you needed out of people to be able to pull those teams together. And so... What does that look like when you were looking for a teacher who's going to be completely comfortable immersing themselves in this new type of space? What's that decision making look like?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, and it's funny because if you're familiar with the whole history of our school, the staff was so important at the beginning of the school, and then there were so, so many things that kind of happened mm-hmm. as we were evolving that kind of uh, chipped away and tested our ability to kind of maintain as, as things were happening, you know, in the city as a Mm -hmm. whole. But I mean, that first group of people that we hired and, you know, I think it was six teachers, every one of them had a pretty different background as far as it's, you know, both in terms of like their formal education, their experiences, Mm -hmm. they all had like this unwavering commitment to kids, you know, and they were really good at their content uh, in their different ways. But I mean, like I mean literally, like any one of them would have done anything that they could for any of the kids in that school and if you know and if if you can create an environment where there's that level of commitment to the to the kids and the content, and then you know that they, they bought into the vision, uh we were just really lucky in that regard, and so, as far as hiring goes, I think you gotta have people who know their content uh but I think you also need to have people who have the ability to connect with kids. I tend to kind of like people who've had different kinds of experiences too, you know, not only always like educators, but you know, I think a blend of people who have some other experiences, especially when we're trying to like really interface with the STEM community. You know, we had a professional engineer on Mm -hmm. our founding staff. We actually had two engineers in our founding staff and, and, their ability to not just like talk about what engineering was, but to actually like live it and talk mm-hmm. engineering mm-hmm. with the other engineers mm-hmm. that were there gave us the ability to kind of like, um Rich Rosen talks about boundary spanners. Mm-hmm. You know, we had people who like spanned boundaries in different sectors that were really important uh, to us. And then we had some really um, kick-ass, you know, <laughs> traditional teachers too that just really knew how to get it done in the mm-hmm. classroom. And because they were able to work together, we were able to do some really... Great things with kids.
1: Yeah, and I think that at the end of the day, that's one of the the those keys that you know, as you find that right mix of folks who are really comfortable in stretching, yeah, um, and thinking about you know, sort of what what it might look like if I could do it different, and it's okay if I get it wrong, right? That mm-hmm. that's part of that journey um, along those paths. So as you did your work um, at MC squared, and like so many principals who found new schools and new school sets. It's not uncommon for our founders to come and stay through um, a first class graduating or moving on. That's a pretty a traditional trajectory for a very non-traditional group of folks. And so, you know, as you also made that transition, what were the what were the key things from your experience in starting a new school endeavor that you think translated into, you know, your your work and your need to create start soul. I want to start there, yeah. and then we're gonna dive into exactly what that is. Yeah,
0: I actually made it through three graduating classes, right, so it right. was after seven years. And and by then, I think what was clear to me was that um, there was somebody else in the school that could probably take us farther than where we were with me, just because she had. I think at the time 6 years six, 5 or 6 years of experience in the school had a very um deep understanding of what the school was what the vision was and had um you know a skill set that she was going to step into the head of school role and I had no doubt that you know it was going to continue to grow and and flourish under her and I think it was you know a time for some new energy at that you know in that position but as far as um start Soul goes one of the things that happened as you know, we were built as a platform school, and so by design, we were supposed to be able to like codify and share things out with others. And early on, the the things that people were most interested in were project based learning, mastery based grading. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had the first fab lab in a school mm-hmm. in the country, and so they wanted to see how do fab labs, you know, become instruments in schools. And that's exciting, you know. It's kind of like a boost to your ego that people want to learn from you. Um, but the reality was we were designing things and people were sitting through them and and um, getting excited and not having much success implementing them back in their environment. And so I started it kind of like almost a little frustrated. It's like, you know, on a, a couple fronts, like uh, one, why are we like spending our time working with people who are going to go into environments that can't implement the things that we were able to implement in our innovative startup mm-hmm. environment with 83 partners and multiple campuses. And there's just so many layers of, mm-hmm. of things that interfere with the implementation that it's hard for the teacher. And then, too, you know, I'm thinking people are spending weeks of their time. They're spending money out of their budget. They're, they're spending their own, like, emotional investment to build something up. And then when it doesn't work, it's actually like setting them back more. Mm -hmm. And so first I did my dissertation on the first graduating class and tried to really understand like, okay, what's at the core of this work? What is it about this? You know, we were taking kids to Arizona for a week. We were doing, you know, internships, we were doing mastery-based grading and all these different things. And I, I tried to understand really like, you know, where were these like Intersections and points that really had the greatest impact on, on the kids, you know, and, and it ended up being a study of the non-cognitive factors, and that kind of led me to thinking about, okay, if this is what is at the key, and and I part of my dissertation was a triangle, and, and the idea was that an equilateral triangle is the strongest two-dimensional shape, and we wanted kids that were strong and resilient to these forces, so if motivation, self-management, and social engagement are the three like sides of that triangle, then we want to align them in a way that kids are set up to be successful when life hits them. you know. And, and so I started to try to understand what was it in project-based learning, what was it with the Fab Lab, what was it with the internships that related to these three components, and are there ways to boil this down to something that's easier to implement? Because the other thing that I've learned from day one as a teacher through my experiences at Lima senior and at MC squared where that like, there's what it's one thing to like talk about it. It's mm-hmm. another thing to do it. And until you do it, you don't really know what's going to work and what's not going to work. And the longer you talk about it before you do it, the more build up there is. And the, and the longer the implementation of the doing it is the harder it is to like, you know, stop and do it again. And so, you know, I wanted to try to find something where like we get to the actual action part, mm-hmm with the understanding that it's going to be bite-sized, that's not going to go great, and then iterate off of that. So um, Start soul has become a way for um, teachers to actually engage in student-centered inquiry-based learning in their classroom right away.
1: Right. Yeah. Which is really, really key because, you know, um, one of the things you've said, and I, I want to be really mindful with our listeners that, you know, we, we bring into this program um, some really amazing innovations in teaching and learning and, you know, building the next workforce. Well, we have to be really mindful um, that not not every place can and will, or even should, right, start a brand new endeavor right from scratch, right, Um, that there's an awful lot of really amazing, great work that's happening in our existing um, teaching and learning locations from folks who've been doing things for a number of years. Um, But it is really, really critical to be able to demonstrate and to show folks how you can take smaller chunks of great stuff and grow your own skill, grow the comfort level, of students or your community to do things a little bit differently. So um, thank you for that, because that's a really important thing, because people can get overwhelmed. I often hear, I can't even imagine what that would be like, and I'm sure you've heard that as well. And I think that one of the successes that you've had with Start Soul is that you're talking about something that's very, very manageable. So walk us through uh, very quickly just sort of the essence of that program and why it has um, application, broad application for folks who are ready to go down a different journey.
0: Yeah. So, just kind of give you the how we started. um, The David and Barbara Jacobs Foundation in Cleveland approached me when I was at MC Squared and said, "We need you. We want you to watch this TED Talk. Uh, We have an interest in funding this work in Cleveland, and we want to do it in a way that's unlike the way a lot of things are funded. Basically, we want to give you a budget. We want to give you um, uh, flexibility with your budget. We want to support you with a coach." that's going to help you set up goals and, and review those goals. We want, you know, we really want to start this like a kind of like a tech startup. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Ted talk was done by Sangata Mitra, And the idea was he, he, he posed this uh, wish Mm -hmm. of a school in the cloud and he won the first million dollar prize from Ted for the work. And part of it was this concept of soul, which stands for self-organized learning environments. And in his context, he had taken a computer and knocked a hole in the wall of mm-hmm. his office in India and t- put the computer in the street and just monitored how these kids who were homeless uh, and had never had access to technology basically taught themselves how to use a computer. And uh, one of the great lines in his talk is he says he comes back a month later and, and not sure what he's going to get, and the kids are asking him for a faster processor and a better mouse for this mm-hmm. computer. And so <laughs> you know, the idea really is that with interest— and access to technology, a lot of learning can take place in 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 ways that, you know, aren't always the case in a more traditional, like, you know, here's the, the standard. We're going to, you know, lecture the standard to you. You're going to memorize it and you're going to regurgitate it on a test. So when I started working on the concept for the first six months, I just tried to do what a what a classroom-based soul would be in as many classrooms as I could. And the goal was a 1,000 soul sessions by the end of the first four months. And what I found really quickly was that there were lots of teachers who were willing to kind of let me come in and, like, co-teach with them and principals who I had known that were going to let me do it as well. And it was clear that there were a few things that were needed in order to make it really work. One, uh, teachers needed help with big questions. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Two, uh, these big questions needed to be directly aligned to their existing standards so they didn't lose pace on what they needed to cover over the course of the year. And then three, teachers needed to feel supported in the implementation process. So we developed a set of tools that um, gives them access to questions aligned to their standards. And teachers actually add questions in. So now we have about 7,000 questions in the database, and it's growing all the time as teachers are using it. And then... We did the same thing with a set of resources that, um, you know, graphic organizers and rubrics and things that teachers can use to help with the process. And then later on, we launched an app, and the app is really kind of just to be uh, the teacher's coach in their hand. It helps them with the process in real time, and it collects some data and helps with things like that.
1: And it's been incredibly successful. Uh, at PASS Foundation, we've actually bumped up against Start Soul. <laughs> and I always really, really love that. Um, actually, that this sort of journey could come full circle mm-hmm. because we did a lot of startup stuff with you way yeah. back when. Um, and then to see the success of your programming in the school and then to move on to you know other things and then to bump back up against that again. And for us, um, the thing that we, we find so remarkable about Start Soul, one of the reasons we wanted to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you about it is that um, oftentimes a start soul works great because um, teachers doing, to your point, the thing that they're already doing, right? And it right. provides them with um, resources and mechanisms just to help. Enhance that, um, and as teachers start on a journey between problem or project based or inquiry based, sometimes there's a great hesitance about how do I do that and what's the context? How do I wrap it around and have the supports uh, so that's really really meaningful? And so at Pass we advocate problem based learning. We do a lot of training, um, and we can always tell when we've been in a classroom with a teacher who has already been through Start Soul uh, because that teacher has a completely different appreciation for the context in which why and how I could blow it out, right? And so um, I can see where those natural fit pieces sort of happen there. If you think about sort of the next iteration, not just for start soul, but for where or what you see, um, time well spent and resources being lobbed at the big giant issue of what Mm do we do about teaching and learning in the future of work? Where do you see the greatest benefit in terms of resources being allocated?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and first, I, I just want to acknowledge that point that you made about Start Soul because it really makes me feel good to hear that teachers who are engaging with Start Soul actually are. It sounds like you're saying more disposed to some of the the, the more the deeper pedagogical shifts because that's really my goal is two hundred fifty thousand teachers in the US by the end of 2021 because if we can reach that many teachers then it's roughly 10 million kids who exactly. are in environments with start soul as part of what they're experiencing what that means is that it's kind of like fertilizer <laughs> <It absolutely laughs> because when the either, teachers yeah. are able to do that with <laughs> mm-hmm. their kids and there's a the confidence that I'm a teacher I can facilitate this kind of student centered inquiry and as a student I know how to get into a group, I know how to research, I know how to think critically, I know how to communicate, and I know how to use creativity to solve these problems. It's actually just making everybody mm-hmm. uh, more aligned with with the direction that we need to go. you know. And, and I know that there's a big push, uh, and there should be, for job-ready skills. And I know there's lots of different words associated with what that means, but if you break it down simply, to me it's creativity, mm-hmm. critical thinking, communication— and a collaboration, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, anything that we can do to make it easier for a teacher to create an environment that allows that to happen while also still stay focused on the standards that they need to cover uh, is, is going to move us a long ways. Um, and so, I mean, as far as Start Soul goes, you know, on a budget of about $500,000 a year, we're already impacting half a million students and, you know, over the next three years, because of what we've learned and because of the way we've been able to set ourselves up for growth, you know, that can project to 10 million over the next three years.
1: Which is an <clears> awful <throat> lot of students entering the workplace, right? <laughs> right. And at the end of the day, that's what we're all working on, right? We're trying to figure out how do we move from these these young, impressionable, completely creative, boundless Beings right into folks that can take all of those amazing passions and skills, um, build on those skills, and 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 be ready to be part of society um, on so many different levels, and so um, it's absolutely uh, critical. So um, as you think about. Sort of the, the, the growth, if you will, of, of Start Soul and the implications, I guess, of that, that workspace on education as a whole, what would your parting shots be, right? So I've got a group of funders, a group of teachers, of students and partners all standing around ready to say, we want to embrace the work that you're doing. Um, but, th- but these folks are asking you, tell us you know, tell us the one giant takeaway that we have to be prepared for to go on this journey with you what What's that parting shot that that is both a point of caution but a point of hope because I think we often get tied up in these conversations with the joy of student success or you know this has worked over here or this has worked over there, and we forget about the bigger, longer picture, the bigger journey that we all have to be able to stick with this on. So what, what's that, that piece for you that says, tomorrow I'm going to do this again and I'm going to do it bigger and I'm going to do it better?
0: And, and as far as the journey, like, who, who, whose journey are you referring to? The kid's journey? The I'm, adult's journey? I'm talking
1: about all, all of the above, right? But at the end of the day, you, Jeff McClellan, mm-hmm. have to be that pioneer willing to stand there or sit here in this case, right, and say, we need to do this work. We have right. to make it easier for schools, for, 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 for teachers, for our students, and for our communities. So what's that driver for you? What, why do you come back?
0: Well, for me, the driver is the kids, you know, it always has been. And I think the thing that really is just uh, blows me away time and time again is when kids are given opportunities to really stretch, they go a lot farther. I mean, I'm always blown away. And and so that's the driver for me personally. But I think if you want to think about, like, you know, why is something like Soul uh, an interesting um, uh, express way for the for this uh, it's it's actually a couple things. One, in education today, uh, most of the educators and a lot all of the rules are built by people who um, Gusky calls digital immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a certain exposure to technology later in life. It hasn't necessarily like created the way that we learn. It, it hasn't it definitely hasn't created the way that we were taught. Uh, and the kids that are in the classrooms are digital immigrants. And so there's this like there's this really like interesting divide. And with that comes a lot of like fear sometimes about what, how to use technology, how to do those things that limits the ability of the teacher to really like create the kind of like atmosphere where the creativity, the communication, the critical thinking and the collaboration can really thrive. And so what Start Soul kind of represents is this little hack that makes it really easy for the teacher to set something up that allows the students to show what they're capable of doing. You know, it's not going to be perfect at first. It's going to go pretty poorly sometimes because kids are, are conditioned in those classrooms to turn that part off and to, to learn in the more traditional way. So when you say, here's the big question, like, for example, a second grade, uh, uh, science question, could you hear if your ears were square, you know, um, that's something that a second grader outside is going to play around with and just think about. But in the classroom, they may not necessarily um, revert back to that type of uh, process, you know? And so it takes a little bit to kind of like put that process into this school environment that's set up differently. And, and so, you know, having things like start soul that uh, allow teachers to really enter that space easily and the other thing, you know, by our, the way that we're using technology and leveraging those kinds of things to, to build this and, and scale it, uh, we're creating pathways to teachers. And, you know, um, sometimes my friend Justin, who's part of the tech team, he'll, he, he describes what we're creating as a Swiss Army knife for Start Soul. So these tools that we're building actually have applications in other ways. Uh, so... Um, yeah, we're investing and we're building something for start soul and we're going to reach teachers and it's going to move the needle for kids and for teachers in a major way around student inquiry. But there's components of what we're building that as we learn what else is needed can be laid through the same um, dissemination pathways with some of the same tools. And so and I think we're, you know, you know the value proposition is, is on several layers. It's to get this to teachers right now so that they can use it and learn from it. But then, Uh, The way we're getting it to them is different, and because of that, it's opening up these other pathways for other things to be disseminated and supported down, down the road.
1: And ultimately for these students to have amazing opportunities, right? Both in the moment of their learning, but also for their futures. Right. Yeah. So um, I want to thank you very much, uh, Jeff, for taking time and joining us and to uh, let our listeners know that uh, we will have resources, including a link to uh, the the, the video that got you moving down that road, um, plus uh, several others. And uh, thank you for the work that you're doing, and I hope that you continue to do that. Uh, So join us next time.
0: Thanks. Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.